You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome to another edition of the Pathway to Peace show here on The Voice of Islam Radio, a show where we take an analytical look at how we can achieve peace, whether that be political peace, economic peace, societal peace, or even inner peace. On the 1st of October 2022, the world head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the fifth caliph, His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmad, may God strengthen his hand, delivered the keynote address at a special reception held to commemorate the opening of the Fateh Azim Mosque, meaning the Great Victory, in Zion, Illinois. His Holiness had officially inaugurated the mosque a day earlier with his weekly Friday sermon. The reception was attended by more than 140 guests, including politicians, faith leaders and local residents. All mosques are special, however this mosque has been built in a city with a special significance. The city of Zion in Illinois was founded by Dr. John Alexander Dowie in 1901. Dr. Dowie was a prominent religious figure at the time and the narration of his prayer duel with the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mizar Ghulam Ahmad, peace be upon him, is one of the most famous incidents in the Ahmadiyya community's history. It's a remarkable story where two claimants to prophethood exchanged public words and ultimately had God decided the matter in the most dramatic of ways. In today's show, we will delve into the address of His Holiness at the inauguration of the mosque. We will look to understand who Dr. Alexander Dawi was, what was his claim, how did he interact with Hazrat Mizrah Ghulam Ahmed, the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, and what ultimately became of him. In doing so, we will focus on the link between the events in Zion over 100 years ago and bring it up to modern day religious thoughts and thoughts around religious freedom. It's a fascinating topic for me personally. I hope to share the details with you today and I invite you to also get involved in the conversation as well as follow us by tweeting uh, using the hashtag, hashtag VOIPeace. That's V-O-I for Voice of Islam followed by the word peace to let us know what your thoughts are. Joining me, as always, to unravel this fascinating topic in the studio is my co-host, Sufyan Faruqi. Sufyan, assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you. We have a very special topic to delve into tonight. To start us off with, I'd like to understand from you, being an American as well, when did you first hear about uh, Alexander Dowie? Welcome, Islam, Arif, peace be upon you as well and all of our listeners. You know, this is a very, very tough question for me to answer because I honestly, like, I couldn't precisely pinpoint when exactly I started learning about this prayer prayer duel. But I do remember that it was absolutely fascinating during my childhood. It is very, very uh, a prominent thing that we learn as Ahmadi Muslims growing up in America, and rightly so, because it was in fact a sign for the Americans of the time. There were so many signs, and even the Promised Messiah himself said that there have been so many signs for people in India, because there were other prayer duels as well uh, that our listeners may or may not know that the Messiah had. But this one in particular was special because it was it really got the world's attention, and because Alexander Dowie resided in America, it became a very prominent story that was narrated in America. And if I had to pinpoint exactly when I learned about it, I want to say it was before the Zion 2000 conference. Right. There was a big conference that was held in Zion, yep. same place where the mosque was inaugurated uh, just uh, a few, about a week or so ago, the, that um, there was a big conference there to educate the people of Zion. Now, 
it's, it's phenomenal that, you know, even the people in that area were unaware of who Alexander right. Dowie was. In and the modern he, day today. Yeah. yeah. And when you think about that, the person who founded that city has been forgotten and there's no kind of context. I mean, obviously there's some some historical remnants and there's even his old house that, that, that are there. But for the most part, the large majority of people don't know the history or the significance of that city. So building up to this Zion conference in the year 2000 at the turn of the millennium, there was a lot of hype and a lot of buzz in the community, and I'm the Muslim community in America. And I think it was at that time where there was actually a publication that was published narrating the story. This publication is available online as well for anyone to read on alislam.org. Uh, it was at that point where I really got into the whole Alexander Dowie prayer duel with the Messiah and learned first and foremost about it. And ever since then, it's been a fascinating story. And throughout, throughout since that time up until now, that story has always stuck with me. And recently, since His Holiness has visited that city and inaugurated the mosque that we're going to get into in this show, uh, you know, I've I've managed to dig a little bit deeper into it and and realize that there's so much more to it than I had originally thought. And of course, His Holiness. Uh, narrated the story and told a lot about what happened at the time of Dowie as well. So it's just, it gets better and better. Well, well, let's, you know, you've, you've hyped it up there. Let's get into it. Let's try and understand exactly what makes this such an interesting story. So to start with, um, I want to just highlight what, um, you know, Alexander Dowie, what was his claim? And, you know, to make sure this is something objective, you know, I've taken this one from Wikipedia. We have other places as well, sources that talk about his claim. Uh, but there it clearly mentions that in 1889, he claimed to be God's messenger and in 1901, he claimed to be the spiritual return of the biblical prophet Elijah and styled himself as Elijah the Restorer, one title, another title, the prophet Elijah, and the third title was the, the, third, title was the third Elijah. He was also an advocate of divine healing and was highly critical of other teachers on healing. I think it's worth mentioning as well the Elijah references. So there is a prophecy that at the time of the Messiah, before the Messiah returns, um, Elijah, an Old Testament prophet, Hebrew prophet, would return. And if you look at the story of the life of Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, um, Prophet Jesus told his followers that John the Baptist was that Elijah that was returned, prophesied to return, a spiritual second coming of that of um, Elijah the prophet. And here, Alexander Dowie was saying that he was the third advent, if you like, of uh, Elijah. So the third advent of this person of Elijah and signaling that after Dowie would be the return of Jesus Christ, peace be upon him. So not only was he claiming to be a prophet, but he was claiming to be the forerunner, you know, the prerequisite, the forerunner of the Messiah as well. So a huge quote. And he actually, Sufiani, he had quite a big following. This is not a small group here. I think he, I understand that he had, you know, hundreds of thousands, even millions of followers at the time. And he created Zion City. It was a huge city with people from over 60 nations. And I also remember uh, reading that even in terms of people funding his community, he mentioned that he had over 100,000 funders of his community. So someone with great worldly means, um, you know, in terms of what he uh, was able to achieve. So this wasn't a small group. This was a significant person who had a lot of influence in his time. Yeah, and he was living in uh, the, the first world country. Uh, of the yeah. United States of America. So he had the latest and greatest technology, obviously not the technology that we see around us today with social media and whatnot, but he had his following. He had the publicity. He had the avenue and the means to get the publicity. 
versus the promised Messiah who was in a revo- remote village in India. Yeah. It's astounding to me, Arif, that the promised Messiah even got word that Dawi existed living yeah. where he lived at the time in the early 1900s. I mean, we didn't have the communication that we have today. So just to see that promised Messiah got word of him and if you look at it on the surface and if you look at it on paper and we're going to dig into the newspapers here momentarily but if you look at it from that standpoint all the odds were in favor of yeah. Dr. Alexander Dowie because he had everything around him he had the following he lived in a place that had media publications normally uh, travel was easier everything was easier in America as compared to India in those days uh, and so all odds in a worldly sense were were in favor of Alexander. Absolutely. And what happened next was, and this was a reference by His Holiness in his recent um, you know, speech uh, that he gave at the, the um, occasion of or first the Friday sermon when the mosque was officially inaugurated, then also the inauguration speech the following day as well. Um, <clears throat> he stressed that Mr. Dawi expressed great hostility towards Islam and hatred for Muslims, which eventually came to the attention of the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, and he responded directly to Mr. Dawi. So as uh, Sufyan was just highlighting there, you know, this, the, um, the kind of enmity that um, Dawi had for the religion of Islam in particular, and and the founder of of the uh, of the religion of Islam, the Holy Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him, you know the things that Dawi said about him were brought to the attention or drew the attention of Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad peace be upon him, the founder of the Ahmadiyya community, who was at that, that time, as Sifyan mentioned, you know, in a remote village in India, um, but he would, you know, he started to respond to what Dawi was publishing in his, in his publications and was starting to to write to him. Now, <clears throat> there's a very interesting article in the Review of Religions magazine available online, so that's at um, www.reviewofreligions.org, where they've basically looked at the, the story here that we're delving into by comparing to 20 news clippings of the time. So what's fascinating is the newspapers captured this story. They were talking about what Dawi was saying. They were talking about the challenge that came in from Hazrat Mizzah Ghulam Ahmed, peace be upon him. And they were uh, basically, like as, as all newspaper story, you know, good newspapers do, they were outlining the story. They were mm-hmm. going through who was saying what, what the response was and what happened. So um, let's uh, try and give our listeners, Sufyan, a, a view of you know what, what was actually going on. So I think the first thing, as we mentioned, they, the newspapers of the time mentioned that Dawi had made this claim about being the third Elijah. Yeah, and it was actually, you know, it's really, really interesting because... You know, Dowie, being where he was, um, he went out and and said that basically he wants to destroy all Muslims. Yeah. Right. And in the one publication, the Literary Digest, uh, it it goes to say that Dowie continued to mock Islam, claiming that it would be destroyed because uh, this uh, Messiah in India could not stand for such insult to Islam. Uh, this is actually the article, uh, yep. what the article is saying, that uh, they're basically saying that Dawi mocked Islam and then the the Messiah in India could not stand the insult to Islam because Dawi went so far as to say that all Muslims uh, will be destroyed. Yeah. And it was this that got the promised Messiah's attention and the promised Messiah being who he was, we believe him to be a true prophet of God. Being who he was, he responded directly to Dawi and said, "Do not. there's no need to bring the whole Muslim community into this. You focus your attention on me. Mm. 
and we will go head to head. And it was almost like a boxing match. There's one picture in one newspaper. I don't remember exactly what it was, but they had a picture of Dowie and they had a picture of the Promised Messiah side by side. It almost reminded me of a boxing match. And uh, the Promised Messiah basically took on all of the burden of of the entire Muslim ummah at the time and said, there's no need to involve everyone. Let's just focus one-on-one on on each other. Um, And this is what a lot of the newspapers captured. So the Literary Digest went on to say that, um, you know, the Indian Messiah, Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, has issued a challenge. No blood would be shed in this challenge. Prayer alone would decide the truth. And whether it was Alexander Dowie or uh, Mirza Ghulam Ahmed who survived, the matter was up to God. Then we move on to uh, the Warsaw Times. Uh, They also covered this story quite extensively, uh, saying that John Alexander Dowie writes... The Messiah claims to have been sent by the Son of Mary in his capacity of Godhead and as an apostle. So Alexander Dowie, as you mentioned earlier, uh, Arif, you know, made a bold claim of being the Elijah and said that actually Jesus had sent him. So it was no small uh, claim that he made. The Harrisburg Telegraph, uh, Dowie uh, responded and thus sealed his fate when... And this is where I think this is where God got involved, right? So After just, just before we move to that, the the, uh, the Warsaw Daily Times there includes the exact wording of what the Promised Messiah wrote to Dowie um, in terms of the original, the actual challenge here. So uh, I won't read the whole section, but I think the bits to highlight is that he says that the method, basically what you were referring to earlier, that rather than threatening all of the Muslims, Promised Messiah writes that the method is that without threatening the Muhammadan public in general with destruction, he should choose me as his opponent and pray to God that of us two, who is the liar may perish. So that is uh, uh, exactly what you were describing earlier. That is the yeah. Promised Messiah saying that rather than, you know, you taking all of the Muslims or the Muhammadans as he would refer to them. So Promised Messiah used the same terms as reported in the Warsaw Daily Times. Rather than that, you, you know, you just focus on me. And the Promised Messiah clarified his position saying, I look upon the son of Mary as a weak human being, although I recognize him as a prophet of God, while Mr. Dowie takes for the Lord, takes him for, as the Lord of the universe, which for us, which of us is right is the real point of issue. If Mr. Dowie is certain of the divinity of the son of Mary, he should publish the proposed prayer with the signature of at least a thousand men affixed to it upon receiving it. I should address the same prayer to Almighty God and publish it with the signatures of the same number of witnesses. If Mr. Dowie has the courage to accept the challenge, he will thereby open a way for all Christians to the acceptance of truth. In making this proposal, I have not taken the initiative, but the jealous God has has spurred me upon me, Mr. Dowie's presumptuous prediction that all Muhammadans shall perish. So he's very clearly outlining there that, you know, this is something he's been brought to do. This is not something he aggressively looked for. Dowie was the one who who made the first move, if you like. Um, and it's interesting to note that actually officially, um, Alexander Dowie never actually officially said, yes, you know, I have received this challenge from Rizal Ghulam Ahmed and I accept him. Hmm. Instead, he continued to, I mean, as we, you were just mentioning in the Harrisburg Telegraph, he does say that he's received a, you know, a, um, a self-styled prophet has said, um, you know, has spoke, written to him. But Dawid never actually acknowledged specifically about this challenge, but he did continue in his yeah. uh, objections and he carried on in his, you know, um, in his opposition. And he did make one statement um 
about you know what was um, one statement which basically like you said kind of sealed his fate i think this is what angered people uh, angered god in heaven and, and this is where things started to turn really bad for dawi it was after this statement he said uh, in india there is a muhammadan messiah who keeps writing to me that jesus christ lies buried in kashmir people ask me why i do not send him the necessary reply and then Dawi continues to say, Do you think that I should answer such gnats and flies? If I were to put my foot on them, I would crush them to death. The fact is that I merely give them a chance to fly away and survive. Right. So this was kind of the the signature of the prayer duel from Dawi's side. When he made this statement, it was at this point where it was basically, okay, prayer duel accepted, here we go, type of thing. And it was immediately after this statement, not, not very much time went by before Dawi started to fall ill. And actually, I learned this recently, Arif, that it was, it was a short time after this that that same foot that he said he would crush uh, them like gnats and flies under his foot, that same foot became paralyzed and he was unable to use that foot. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. So it was just, it was almost like instantaneous. So the, the, the heavens had, had, had heard that this, this person is, is making these claims, these bold claims, and is threatening the man of God. Uh, and at that point, uh, Dawi ended up falling sick. Now, it's interesting, Arv, um, and we may discuss this further later on, but it's worth mentioning here that many, many people may think that, oh, why are we celebrating a person who's falling ill or eventually ends up passing on? Why are we celebrating that fact? And His Holiness, in his recent address, when he was inaugurating the Fateh Azim Mosque in Zion, mentioned that it was actually, um, I don't remember the exact words he used, but he said it's basically an act of graciousness or mercy that the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, took on the burden of all the Muslims yeah. and pointed it all at himself and took on that whole burden. So instead of this being a fight between Christians and Muslims, it became a one-on-one -on -one battle. And the promised Messiah took on all that burden. So if you look at it from that angle, it's not it's not as cynical as it may appear yep. on the surface. And let's emphasize the nature of the battle or duel that was taking place here. So in one of the letters, um, it was because these letters were shared with the media. So one of the media outlets highlighted that the letter from the promised Messiah said, Come thou, O self-styled prophet, to a duel. The weapons shall be prayer. Let us kneel on our knees in the dust of the earth, you and I together, and petition the Almighty that of us two, whoever is the liar, shall perish first. So that, that was the, you know, there was, this wasn't a physical battle. They were separated by tens of thousands of miles anyway, but it was all around prayer and saying, let's pray for the Almighty God to decide between the two of us that whoever is the liar shall perish first. And, you know, as now let's get into, you know, what the what happened next. So you've already talked about Dawi starting to become unwell. There was he also um, suffered from a sudden stroke and became seriously ill. Um, and it really descended quickly down from there, didn't it, Sufyan? Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, there's coverage throughout this whole prayer duel of what's going on. And it's just amazing the amount of media coverage that I mean, Dawi, you kind of expect because he was here in the United States at the time, so you would expect him to get the coverage. But the newspapers at the time, and you have to give them credit, they give equal equal coverage to both sides, and they were getting. I mean, we're we're 
literally taking a lot of these clippings from an article that was published in Review of Religions. And it was at that time, it's ironic, Arif, that it was the Review of Religions that they actually received the information from at the time, the newspapers, and then they printed it from there. So not only did Zawi suffer himself physically with these strokes and to some extent paralysis, it, it got worse. His family even turned against him. Mm. And uh, his wife ended up leaving him. He ended up being kicked out of the city that he founded. So this was a man that had thousands upon thousands of followers. Uh, you would think that he had everything going for him. Uh, but lo and behold, once he angered God Almighty in heaven, uh, things started turning for the worse. He suffered from physical ailments, but then having his wife leave him. The New York Tribune um, talks about Zion ousting Dowie and says a wife and even an unkissed son join new leader. So they elected a new leader for the city of Zion and Dowie was basically kicked out uh, in in much shame. And uh, he ended up passing on uh, a few years later. Yeah. And when he did pass away, it was, you know, this great leader, like his wife and son uh, were not even by his side at the mm. time. So he, he died a very kind of lonely kind of death as well. So it's also worth mentioning that at the time when all of this, uh, when he was replaced as leader, it also came out that um, the Zion city was on the brink of financial ruin as well. So another thing that he had drawn confidence and strength from in terms of the amount of money he had. And the newspapers talked about this as well. They talked about the wealth yeah. of, of Dawi versus the relative, you know, not similar wealth on the side of the promised Messiah. Um, another thing to highlight as well is the the wording of the challenge spoke about, you know, the nature of the death needs to not be something that could be influenced by human beings. So it yeah. should either be, you know, like a sudden stroke or a snake bite or being hit by lightning. Um, and I remember the newspapers at the time we were looking at earlier, they, they talked about how even from that, in terms of the odds, you know, someone who is the promised Messiah suffered from many illnesses. Mm. He was older than Dowie. That, like you said earlier, the worldly odds, the odds were stacked against the promised Messiah in this situation. They were in favor of Dowie in terms of his age, his wealth, the area, you know, his good health. Yeah. His, you know, d- despite all of that, uh, you know, the tables turned in the final outcome. Yeah, it, it is amazing when you look at it from that perspective and you look at the, the even the, the tone and the way that Dowie spoke and the way that that the promised messiah spoke uh in the media in the newspapers there's a distinct difference there's one of bitterness um and and real anger in in the way that dawi's tone and in uh, uh, the promised messiah's tone it's it's about okay let's just put this to rest you know you pray i pray and let's leave it to god to decide uh and the outcome you know we saw on Muslim television, Ahmadiyya, in this last week, in in the city of Zion, they had set up an exhibition, and one of the things on display, and this is this is the headline of all headlines when it comes to this prayer duel. It was published in the Boston Herald, and His Holiness mentioned this as well in his speech at the inauguration of the Fateh Azim Mosque on October first, two thousand twenty-two, uh, and the headline reads. Great is Mirza Ghulam Ahmed the Messiah. So this is an American newspaper publishing a story and it has a full image of the promised Messiah standing. American newspaper in the early 1900s declaring that Mirza Ghulam Ahmed is great and that he is the Messiah. Yeah, incredible. You are listening to the Pathway to Peace show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. 
please be sure to follow us at Voice of Islam UK on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and TikTok and use the hashtag VOI Peace to send us your thoughts, comments and feedback. Today we've been digging into the uh, the story of the what took place in the city of Zion and the links that the Ahmadiyya Muslim community have with the city historically and now we want to bring it right up to the modern day because as we've mentioned at the top of the show on the 1st of October a new mosque was inaugurated uh, in the very city where this famous prayer duel took place between Hazrat Mizar Ghulam Ahmad, peace be upon him, the founder of the Ahmadiyya community and Dr. Alexander Dawi. Now we want to um, delve into now what took place during the inauguration and, and listen to some of the some of the comments from those at the inauguration uh, and of course listen to the, some of the words of His Holiness Hazrat Mizar Masroor Ahmad, the current leader of the Ahmadiyya community who was at the event and, and delivered the keynote and inaugurated the mosque. So to, to start with, I'm going to play a clip which is uh, where dignitaries were able to speak to His Holiness just prior to the inauguration, spend a few minutes with him and reflect on the significance of the uh, events at Zion. Hazrat Khalifatul Masih V's historic tour of the United States continued into its second week. On Saturday the 1st of October 2022, a special reception was held to mark the inauguration of the first mosque built in the city of Zion. More than 140 guests, including politicians, media outlets, academics and local residents, were able to listen to a most powerful address by Hazrat Amir al-Mu'mineen, Ayyadahulat'ala bin Asri al-Aziz. Prior to the reception, Hazur was interviewed by Yadira Sanchez Olsen, a reporter for the Lake County News Sun. In, in this day and age when there's much fear, uh, crime and homelessness, uh, food insecurity, what would be your message so that there's less fear? This was the claim of the founder of the Amdiya movement. Then why did he come? He said, the purpose of my coming is twofold. One is to bring the people close to their creator. And secondly, to discharge your duties you owe to your fellow beings. So if you are discharging your duties to fellow beings, there should not be any fear of crime, food shortage, security or anything else. So that is what we have been doing all the time. We are preaching, we are conveying this message, and we are practicing this message everywhere, wherever we have our community, in Africa even in Pakistan, in other Asian countries, third world countries, or deprived countries, or the Western countries. Wherever we go, we convey this message, and we are running our schools, our hospital, to serve the humanity, and in so many ways we are serving the people. Do you think that there is a formula for all of the religions and the people who follow them to work toward peace? You see, if you realize your duties, as I have already said, towards your Creator and uh, get closer to Him, you realize that uh, we have been created by one and omnipotent God in Allah. And the purpose of creating us in this world was not just to kill each other or destroy each other. All the religions came from Allah. We believe this. We believe that all the religions were true religions, originally. And later on, 
there were some innovations in their teachings and the teachings were distorted. Then ultimately it was also the prophecy of all the prophets, all the founders of the religions that in the latter days the prophet will come who will bring the teachings of all the prophets. He will combine them. He will give the true teaching of them. And his teachings will be the final teachings. And we believe that that person who was foretold by the previous prophets or the founders of previous religions is the holy prophet of Islam. Peace and blessing of Allah be upon him. And this is why you can see till today the holy scripture, the holy book of Muslims, which was revealed to the holy prophets of Islam, is still intact. There is no change in it. Whereas the other books have changed in so many ways. And it was also foretold by him, the holy prophet of Islam, that although the teaching, the scripture will remain intact in its original form, but my followers will also forget the true teachings of Islam. They will leave the true teaching of Islam. And then that time, there will be a reformer who will be from among my people and he will also reform. And we believe that that person is Mirza Ulam Ahmad of Qadiyan, the founder of the Amdiya community, whom we believe is the Messiah and Mahdi of this age. He asked all the religions that whether you believe in my religion or not, you believe in Islam or not, you come and follow me or not, but at least we should all live together amicably, harmoniously, and with love and affection. And this is how we can live together in this world, and this is how we can fulfill the purpose of our creation. So, this is the message. This is the only way, right? Following the interview, Azur held meetings with dignitaries and guests, including Dr. Craig Considine, Professor of Sociology at Rice University. How are you? I'm excellent. How are Amdad you? Khan wanted to introduce you to me. I said, if I didn't know the professor, then nobody knows him. <laughs> huh? It's a great honor, Your Holiness. So I'm happy that you were here yesterday and ended our Pride Day sermon. It was one of the best khutbas I've heard. I have another book coming. You'll be featured in many ways. What is it about? I'm talking about something beyond the dialogue of civilizations. You just pray that your book comes out before they destroy the whole world. They are trying to be very much trigger happy. I thought it is only mullahs. They are going to be trigger happy. Now, the situation has changed. The Asian leaders are even trying to calm them down. One of the, one of the messages is um, it's really love. And I think that's this is probably one of the reasons why I feel such an affinity for love. the Ahmadiyya community. Love for all, hatred for none. This is the message everybody's forgetting. It's so fundamental and quintessential, and, we've, and it's such a beautiful thing because love feels so good. We are all humans, so at least we should respect each other as humans. And if we realize how to respect each other, then there will be peace, love, and harmony. This basic thing they don't want to understand. You know, how can you love when you can't even respect, you know? Like, love is the, the peak. But to get to that love, you have to do a lot of the difficult work. And that respect is a lot of that difficult work to get there. 
Here we misinterpret the word freedom. Even the students, the youngsters, they think we are free to say everything. We are free to do whatever we like. It is not necessary that we respect others or not. This is our right to do whatever we like. This is why now we are deviating from the basics of a good human being. Even we are trying to deviate from our traditions, from things which are good for our life. It's a pity. So you are originally from Boston? Yeah. The same place where the newspaper wrote about uh, yeah. our oh, founder. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. What a, I feel so honored and blessed to be here. I feel the significance of what's happening here. And um, what a story. So Boston is quite a fertile land with regards to good people. I was, I'm so thankful that I got to spend personal time with you. Um, it's a great honor for me. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for all your kind gesture. Thank you. Inshallah, maybe one day, I'll, uh, I would love to visit you in your home in London, in that area. Yes, I will be waiting for you. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Your Holiness. Dr. Katrina Lantos-Sweat, professor at Tufts University, and president of the Lantos Foundation for Human Rights and Justice, also had the opportunity to meet with Hazur along with her daughter, Chelsea Hedquist. For the last week and a half since we were planning our trip, both of us have been a little bit walking on air because we feel so much that it is an extraordinary special experience to be with you. You know, we feel that light and that wisdom that comes from you and Somehow, our days go better and our weeks go better after we've had the opportunity to be around you. So we thank you. It's thank quite you. a privilege for thank us. You. And, um, thank you. And uh, it, it means a great deal to us. And, and for such a celebration, such a wonderful celebration, this is the most amazing story ever, the prayer duel, I must say. It is such an incredible story. It's just, it's so powerful but i think your holiness what i love about this story more than anything else is that it captures and reveals the very powerful spirit of um of his holiness the, the founder of the Amdi community yes and the spirit of the community today this sort of strength that comes from the confidence of faith your own self is also the sign of his success. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. As, as you are conveying our message and wherever you go, you say the Amdiya community is the only community which practice love and it's, preach love. It's true. It's so right? true. And You are you our know, ambassador in another way. Oh, well, <laughs> nothing could make me more honored than to be an ambassador for this amazing community. And... You know, of course, my heart breaks, both of ours do most recent terrible news in terms of what's going on in Pakistan. It's just, it's horrible. This ongoing process, not only at the same pace, but now it has increased. Now they say that uh, all the, um, the pregnant women, their pregnancy should be aborted. They should not give birth to anybody. So they have gone one step ahead of the Phryna of Egypt. He said that uh, any newborn baby of Israelites, boy, should be killed. That is what Farina yes. of the Jeep announced. And they say, no, 
their pregnancy should be aborted. Yes. This is what this so-called educated world, literate world, is portraying before everybody. It is. It is so terrible, and um, and it makes it all the more impressive and admirable that the community under your leadership, which is just so powerful, doesn't answer evil with evil, and it doesn't answer hatred with hatred. And yes, we are able to reply in the same way. We are more organized. We know what is the meaning of tit for tat, but we do not do it. Yes. Because our teaching, the true Islamic teaching is not that. Yeah. So we pray, ultimately, we shall also win our prayer duel. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so those were following few. the individual meetings, some further guests had the opportunity to meet Huzur. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. Um, Your Holiness, I also... We'll be returning to some of those clips later in the show. So in these, in that exchange, Sufyan, there were a few different uh, people we got to hear speak with to His Holiness. In particular, um, we noticed, both me and you did notice, Dr. Craig Considine, a good friend of the show who's been on previously as well, you know, speaking about his affinity with the community, talking about how the fact that the community focuses on the aspect of love being something he, you know, really relates to. And also mentioning a little bit about that he does have a, a book coming up, but it wasn't it wasn't it great to see yeah. Dr. Craig Constantine. It was singing. great seeing Dr. Craig, and he he mentioned his upcoming book, which actually he said features His Holiness, the Fifth Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community. So, really, really curious to see uh, that book. But it, uh, the, but His Holiness's response to that was yep. was what caught my attention, and that was uh, he prays that it it gets published quickly before the world is destroyed. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, saying this to to Dr. Craig, I'm I'm really really curious, Dr. Craig, if you're listening, I'd love to know what you, how you interpreted that. But to me, that just showed that that His Holiness is fully aware of the situation in the world that we live in today, and um, and communicated that with his answer to to that question. Uh, about the book, and yeah. it's just because he spoke about the book. So Dr. Craig said it's about civilization yeah. and his holiness was like let's hope civilization doesn't destroy itself before the book comes out and he gave examples his holiness mentioned talked about leaders in the world being trigger happy that was the term he yeah. used and he also said that he thought it was just originally his Hazur, his holiness thought it was just the mullahs but he said actually now western leaders others in other countries are also becoming aggressive and it's almost the leaders are in asia are the ones telling them to calm down a bit so yeah the the world tensions in the world have sadly escalated yeah yeah, and it was really nice to hear uh, what Dr. Craig said at the end there, where he said that he would love to come to London to visit uh, His Holiness in his own home. Uh, so we wait for that day when Dr. Craig comes, and hopefully we can have him in the studio here with us, Arif. Let's move forward as well. So now what I'm going to play is during the actual inauguration, just prior to the, uh, the the keynote address by His Holiness, there were a few other clips that we would like to share, and here's one I'm going to play now. After the meetings, His Holiness proceeded for the reception of the Fateh Azim Mosque, built in Zion, the city with a great prophecy concerning Alexander Dawi was fulfilled. Prior to the awaited keynote address of Hazur, attendees heard from a number of guest speakers who took to the stage. It's my wish and my prayer that this house of worship will serve as a bridge between our past and our future. So it's with deep gratitude for the outstanding services rendered by the Ahmadiyya Muslim community to the city of Zion and your commitment to furthering the development of the city 
in improving the well-being of its people that we present the key of the city of Zion to His Holiness. His Holiness is also a champion of women's rights. As I can personally attest from spending time with the Ahmadi Muslim women of Zion, the female members of this community command respect and are integral to the life of the community. It's a beautiful day, and um, as I like to say, it's an honor to be with you, and it's an honor to be any place they can pronounce my name right. (laughs) We entered into the congressional record of the United States uh, a commemoration of this historic day that will live on in history to remember what happened today and this joyous occasion. So those are just you know the lead up to the keynote address. If you know you saw the significant event where the key to the city of Zion was presented to His Holiness, you know the modern day uh, representative of the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him. Yeah, the key the key is something unique and special. Uh, I mean, it's everywhere His Holiness goes, they present a key to the city. But for Zion in particular, because of the historical historical magnitude of that city and where it sits in the history of of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, it holds a lot of significance. And and I think when His Holiness, um, you know, even in his address, he referred to it there at the end. And I think we're going to play a clip from that. So I won't ruin that. But uh, yeah, that, that key is very, very significant. Let's listen to some of what the words that His Holiness said on this occasion, and then we'll speak a little bit about some other quotes as well from that speech. Today, the followers of Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, the Promised Messiah and Mahdi, the guided one, offer thanks to Allah the Almighty that we are inaugurating the Fateh Azim Mosque, the mosque of the Grand Victory in Zion as a symbol of true religious freedom. Its doors open with an enlightened message pronouncing that the religious rights and peaceful beliefs of all people and communities are to be forever protected and cherished. It is the paramount objective of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community to direct mankind to the path of spiritual salvation and to ensure that all people, irrespective of their caste, creed, or color, live together with the spirit of goodwill and harmony and in true peace and security. From the depth of my heart, I pray that this mosque will God willing, always serve as a beacon of peace, tolerance, and love for all mankind. I pray it proves to be a place where people congregate in all humility to recognize their Creator, to bow before Him, and to fulfill the rights of mankind. For we earnestly believe that we can only be successful and prosperous if we fulfill the rights of worship of God Almighty and the rights of humanity. With these words, I wish to once again thank you all for joining us this evening. May Allah Almighty bless you all. Amen. Thank you very much. I also thank the mayor and the other Raja Sahib. I don't remember the name, otherwise you will say I did not pronounce your name correctly. <laughs> so, so, uh, to the mayor, for giving me the key of this town and I'm sure that uh, now the key of this town is in the safe hands. (laughs) 
some some lighter hearted moments yeah. as well at the end of the speech there. So I want to pick up on the ver- one of the last things mentioned there by His Holiness. He said that now the key of this town is in safe hands. What what is your response to that comment? It's uh, it's profound when you think mm. of it in the context of of what we've talked about here this evening and and giving uh, you the listener a a flavor of of what happened in, in that city of Zion, which is located forty miles north of the city of Chicago. Who m- probably everyone is familiar with Zion, not so much, but it's forty miles north of of, of Chicago. Uh, the key being in safe hands is basically to me it's a it's almost like a passing the baton, yeah. passing of the baton, of you know, from and and another speaker there, I don't remember who exactly it was, said, you know, this mosque, the opening of this mosque is the bridge between the past and the future. Yeah. And I think the the key also signifies that, that, okay, now today, Zion is open to you, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Here's the key to the city. And we are ready to move on from from what happened in our past, yeah, it may not have been the best past, or we may have had a corrupt person kind of leading us in the past. But now we are ready to move forward, and we're ready to accept you with open arms. And it, and it's it's just amazing to see because you see, Zion was a city where Alexander Dowie didn't want Muslims to even come in. Enter, yeah. And Correct. now, the Messiah, the Messiah's Caliph, the Messiah's successor, is being presented the key. And and what does the key symbolize? This key symbolizes, you know being able to open any door yeah right being able to open the door to that city and come in and go out as you please because you have the key so that's what it signifies feels like often when uh, we look at religious history and we look at these duels and and stories of prophet or an elect of god going against someone and winning against all the odds which religious history is full of often we're talking about events hundreds thousands of years ago maybe I mean, one thing I would say to the listeners is that, you know, invite them to come look at the Ahmadiyya Muslim community because these are this event we're referring to, this key being presented to a city that was founded by a strong opponent of the community that happened 10 days ago. Mm. That didn't happen 100 years ago or 200 years ago. So, you know, living signs, actual life signs are being shown, uh, you know, at the hand of the community. And it's, uh, you know, even for me, I find it inspirational that this is something happening and we're seeing it with our own eyes. Yeah. You know, we're not there physically, but we both know people who are there physically have been able to attend this. My younger brother's been at these events. You know, this is real. This is happening right in front of our eyes. And the people who are bearing witness to it are people that are, you know, not members of the community. The mayor was the one who presented the award, uh, the key to the city. You know, they recognize and acknowledge the the reality of what's happened there and that Mm -hmm. history. Yeah, yeah, and for those of you living in London, I've I, I was I'm, I've been thinking about this as well. But there's many, many relics of or the collection of His Holiness that's on display here at the Battle of the Mosque in in South London. So I'm sure the key to the city. I, I'm optimistic that the key to the city will be uh, available for all to see uh, in the historic exhibition. So those of us living on this side of the world, hopefully, will get to get to at least experience that as well and it's also worth mentioning those on the other side of the pond if you are listening in uh, in the united states the in the city of zion the, the not only was this wonderful mosque inaugurated but also an, an exhibition dedicated to exactly what we've just been speaking about today the history of this prayer duel what happened the printouts huge printouts of the newspapers and how they covered the story at the time a digital exhibition as well you know, all of these things have been made available in this exhibition, which is you know available for people to go and see, literally on the same site as as the mosque in Zion City. Yeah, I remember reading 
I remember reading, I don't remember which publication, it must have been either Review or Al-Hakam, another publication of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. But it was talking about the history of these, even the newspaper clippings. So back in the time of the third caliph of the of the Promised Messiah, Hazrat Mirza Nasir Ahmed, uh, when he visited uh, the United States, they had very few clippings, or, they, or maybe they didn't even have any at that time. And His Holiness at the time told them that you need to collect this. This is part of history. And from, it was from that time where the, the community started collecting more and more uh, of these clippings. And in the publication that I mentioned at the top of the show on alislam.org, um, it's called Fulfillment of a Grand Prophecy is the name of the publication written by Anwar Mahmoud Khan. Uh, in there, there are some, uh, I think it's 60 or so clippings, but... Uh, to this day, the most recent figure that I've I've managed to gather is there's 160 clippings from around the world now of of newspapers that covered this event. Um, so it's very very historic, and it and it has the coverage, and it had had the 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 global attention, the attention of a global audience at the time. Uh, so it's very very uh, well documented, and also important for us to recognize as well that the you know this. Yes, there's a symbolic victory that was primarily a sign for the truthfulness of the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. But really, it was religious freedom winning out here because, you know, the message of Islam is always around uh, being it's an inclusive religious message. And this was something that His Holiness mentioned in the conclusion of his address. Um, he mentions there, and I'll quote, he says, In conclusion, today the followers of Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, peace be upon him, the promised Messiah and Mahdi, the guided one, Offer thanks to Allah the Almighty that we are inaugurating the Fatihzi Mosque, the Mosque of the Grand Victory in Zion, as a symbol of true religious freedom. Its doors opened with an enlightened message pronouncing that the religious rights and peaceful beliefs of all people and communities are to be forever protected and cherished. It is the paramount objective of the Ahmadiyya community to direct mankind to the path of spiritual salvation and to ensure all people irrespective of their caste, creed, or color, live together with a spirit of goodwill and harmony in true peace and security. So this, whilst we may have used the word dual and talked about this clash, ultimately it's the inclusive message um, that was really emphasized here. And it was this idea of this mosque being a beacon of religious freedom. That was the main message that His Holiness wanted us to, to end with. Um, I want to play one more clip here, which was actually some of the reflections of the dignitaries and others who were part of the inauguration and what they thought about the whole event, the speech and, and their reflections after the event. It was overwhelming for me uh, to meet His Holiness tonight. And this is the first time in my life that I've met someone that I was speechless and didn't know what to say. Great presence and the Ahmadiyya Muslim community has done so much to help in this community and be of service. You know, people have told me about how impressive he is as a speaker. I was just so overwhelmed with the words that he said about friendship and working together with the community. It made me proud to be in his presence, to hear him speak. It was very illuminating. I think this is the best kept secret in the, in the, in the world at, at this point in time because I'm looking at this and equity, justice, fairness, and love for all, that's what's needed. And it was really good to get a laugh out of His Holiness when I said sometimes the best way to bring people together is just food, and he said, just food, and we had a laugh, so it was very special. I love His Holiness. This 
this mosque is a beacon of hope and friendship for our whole community. So I'm, I'm just full of hope and love today. It's good to know that uh, uh, that we have leaders like him, um, serving millions of people. You know, uh, bringing people together. Uh, you know, talking about the idea that we can be one. That um, that all religions are important. Um, it was just amazing and inspiring. Sufjan, you could hear the emotions in the voices, right, of the yeah. people. And we often hear this, you know, and maybe no matter how many times we hear reactions like this, you know, it never gets old because these are all fresh experiences from often new people. But the, the emotionally charged voices you could hear in terms of their reflections of what they witnessed. So many of these people, they're experiencing being in the presence of His Holiness for the very first time. So that, that comes across. But then you have the veterans like Dr. Craig, who have had the chance to meet His Holiness on, on various occasions. So this wasn't Dr. Craig's first meeting with His Holiness. Um, but you get the sense there's a level of comfort uh, that everybody gets a, a sense of warmth, a sense of peace, a sense of security from being in the presence of His Holiness, whether that be for the first time or for the fifth time. Uh, and and you just you just get a vibe of this is a man that is truly, you know, from inside out. It's all about peace and bringing people together and about creating a place uh, where people can come and congregate in peace. Um, so when you hear the the lighthearted comment that Dr. Craig made about, you know, food, uh, it, it, it got his holiness uh, laughing, of course, and, 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 and it was just a great moment. And you can tell that, you know, Dr. Craig really, really enjoyed being in the company of his holiness, um, as do everyone. And then you had the mayor, um, I'm not sure if you caught it in the clip or not, but uh, basically said that he was speechless when he met His Holiness uh, because of the presence and the aura around around His Holiness. And this is a man um, who is a successor of a prophet of God and um, is working day and night to bring about peace in the, in the world. So it's just great to see and hear uh, the comments of, of various people who, who have had the honor and privilege of being in the presence of His Holiness. And it's also worth mentioning, Arif, that this mosque is has a unique name as well. And it's named after that same prophecy and the same kind of story that we've been trying to convey to you during the course of the show. Normally, uh, mosques are named Battle Hamid, Battle Fatu. So Battle Fatu is House of Victories. Uh, but this mosque in particular has been given a name by His Holiness, Fateh Azim which means the great victory. And that is actually the revelation that was given to the promised Messiah on the occasion of the prayer duel with Dr. John Alexander Dowie. And God Almighty said to the promised Messiah that he will he will be given a great victory. And it is in that light that His Holiness deemed it fit to name this mosque in Zion, Illinois, the home of Alexander Dowie, or the former home of Alexander yeah. Dowie, um, the Fateh Azim Mosque. Yeah, it's an incredible, it's an incredible story, and I hope you, I hope our listeners have enjoyed, you know, going on that journey with us. So just to let me try and summarize and wrap things up as we come towards the end of the show. So, you know, we spoke about how, first of all, this event took place recently, the inauguration of the Fatehi Mosque, just mentioned in Zion City. We outlined, you know, what was the significance of the city of Zion? What, where, how did it even get its name? So we talked about how that was founded by Dr. Alexander Dowie. Um, who was a great uh, or preacher at the time and, and had a huge congregation, 
created this entire city. He mentioned at the time, I heard an audio clip that was shown in one of the documentaries where they had his actual voice speaking. Yeah. And he said that he, he counts and he estimates that there are people in his city from over 60 countries. So we had you know a huge following. Um, he had material wealth as well um, with over 100,000 financial donor donors and don- like donations being made to the uh, to his cause and then he started to you know very forcibly attack islam and that was when he came on to you know the promised messiah peace be upon him Hazrat Ahmad, over in a remote part of india uh, you know it got onto his drew his attention and he started to write to alexander dawi and um, you know telling him about you know challenging him effectively when Dawi did not stop challenging him um, to a prayer duel and, and effectively saying that, you know, let's, you have, we have difference of opinions, let's let God decide. Um, I want to summarize with what the Review of Religions mentioned in their article that we've referred to repeatedly. They said, how ironic, how ironic that John Alexander Dawi, who announced that the Messiah is coming, ended up proving through his death that the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, has indeed come. Today, the city of Zion established to, quote, blot out the smear of Islam from humanity, end quote, has become a historic proof of Islam's truth. We mentioned as well earlier as well that the the symbol, the symbolism around the key of the city being presented to the modern day representative of the Prime is another, you know, big uh, sign of his truth. So thank you very much for listening uh, to us here at the Pathway to Peace show from the entire Pathway to Peace team. Thank you for listening. We hope you'll join us next time. Until then, for Sifian Faruqi, this is Arif Khan saying, Assalamu alaikum. May the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Thus, let it be crystal clear that the objective of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is not to conquer lands, seize territories, overcome cities, or vanquish nations, nor in those lands or nations where our teachings and beliefs have been accepted in large numbers, have we ever asserted a desire to gain political power or worldly influence? Our only mission and our sole aspiration is to win the hearts of mankind through love and to bring people closer to God Almighty. So they become true worshippers of Him and fulfill the rights of one another.